I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Welcome to Oprah's 2020 Visionary Talks. From the stage of my own 2020 vision, Your Life in Focus Tour, WW Weight Watchers Reimagine, and I join forces to bring you candid conversations with some of the world's most famous trailblazers, whose story of wellness will empower you to discover the highest, truest vision for your life. San Francisco, you're in for a treat because Oscar nominee, mom of three, athletic wear mogul, Kate Hudson. <laughs> brightens any room or arena, even one that holds 15,000 people. San Francisco, please welcome our WW 2020 visionary conversation, Kate Hudson! You're wearing that suit, girl. I am. Do you know why I chose purple? Why? Because I'm purple. I'm a purple program on the program. I'm purple. Oh, because you're purple. <laughs> Team purple. Uh, yeah, so I thought it which was Which means fitting. you get, which means you get? 16 points. 16 right. points. Yeah, but I'm liking it. I really like it. Yeah, I couldn't do that one. <laughs> no, doesn't allow for, so. doesn't allow for your vodka later in the day. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> the last time we saw each other was on FaceTime. It's mm -hmm. nice to see you Oh, in I'm person. so happy to be here. Are you enjoying the program? I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but I think it's probably, probably about 15,000 people here who, who understand why. Um, yes. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I, I was, you know, I think that once I started Fabletics and I got into the, the, the wellness community and active lifestyle is kind of the number one thing people ask all the time is how do you balance? And food and diet seems to be like on everybody's, on the forefront of everybody's mind. And, and for me, I, was, I had a great teacher, right? My mom, she's, she was always active. She was always thinking. <laughs> and I feel really lucky that way, but I, I understand that a, a lot of people weren't raised with that kind of teacher. And to have a support system is enormous in, in, in a lifestyle journey. And WW, when I talked with Mindy and I got, got you know, to get to know you her. You started because you wanted to lose 25 pounds after the baby, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just had a baby. And it was really, honestly, because I wanted to get behind something like this that had a community that was so inspiring. Because I think that that's a huge part of any, any yes. wellness journey. Yes, and I knew that it wasn't just about losing weight, but you wanted to be a part of the whole wellness yeah. fabric that was hitting the country. And I love that you filmed yourself right after the holidays on the scale, and three, three things uh, yeah. struck out. <laughs> yeah. that, you, that you filmed yourself on the scale <laughs> right after the holidays, and you felt like, it sounded like, to me that you were, you felt like you were gonna be maybe 10 or 12 pounds over your fighting weight. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. A solid, yeah, a, a solid, solid 12. <laughs> and, and you weren't thrilled, but you also weren't the least bit embarrassed. No shame involved, or seemed that way. Yeah, no, no. No shame. No. That's I, my number. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I I think after having three kids, that you're sort of like you know the fluctuations are a part of life, you know, and and I, and I like the scale. And honestly, I didn't even think about it. I think in social media now today, you, I didn't even think like, oh wow, I'm I'm showing. Suppose my this is twenty pounds heavier. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think shame. Uh, no, no, I just want to live. I just want to live whatever I am, you know, and do my best. I love this. I love when you turn. I think this is when you're turning 40, or last year, yeah, for your 40th birthday. Reese Witherspoon posted, I've known this beauty since she was 12. She's always been the most optimistic and joyful. And I think that the very, reminded me of the time, I, first time I interviewed your mother, and I said, wow, you're the most joyful person, Goldie Hawn, I've ever <laughs> met. So do you think you inherited that joy gene? <laughs> A tornado of joy, mom. Yes. That's what it feels. It's like whoo, happiness. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, some of it. My mom is just an extraordinary light being, and um, yeah. Uh, I, I, but but yes, I think I think I do have the optimistic gene, and I think that it's a rare thing to have. Uh, and I recognize that it's something that you do have to continually work at, but um, I am sometimes to a fault optimistic, you know? Sometimes it's like, okay, stop, my friends, you know, stop being so optimistic. Just be like annoyed right now, you know? <laughs> or just like, just say it's so just never gonna So are you one of those happen. people you see the best in everything? I try, I really try, I do. I mean, I, I think it's more like, I, some people see it as morbid, but I see it as just life. I think in my mind, it's like, well, one day I'm gonna die. And like, I'm always thinking like that. So what am I gonna do today while I'm going to live? And that's, is that simple? And, and I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to sit in the, in, in the, in the shit. Yeah. You know, I don't... I'm sorry. Fiona's here. You can't say <laughs> shit. I can't. I can't. Okay. Fiona's 12. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't... You sit in the poop. Okay, poopy. And you know, you it's interesting, because in if you're sitting in poop, it doesn't feel as bad as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like poop. You know, I think... I think you know? I have a propensity towards drama, because I like to... I, because I'm an actress but I don't like the feeling of, of negativity. And, and so for me, I'm always trying to figure out how to... Okay, so what are you telling yourself these days? Because how does okay. somebody who's, you know, optimistic to a fault move through the world, this world, that seems to be filled daily with more and more negativity, just in every direction? I try to shut it off. And, and I think, I think you, can be, you can be connected. I think a part of me feels like we're over-connected sometimes, where, you know... Tell yeah, us. Like <laughs> Let the church I, in the back say. <laughs> I, Amen. I, I really do like connecting with people. Um, and sometimes I find that technology, it, it really messes me up. And seeing tickers of bad news and death and, and 
you know, stuff that I think once upon a time, we really only heard what was going inside of our community. Right. And I love that we're connected globally and we know these things, but some, I think it's really hard on, on all of us. I think it creates a lot so of anxiety. So are you on social media a lot? Uh, I, uh, yes. <laughs> but I try not to, you know, I'm, I'm very good. I, 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 I think we need to have more digital cleanses as much as we do food cleanses, yeah. you know? I, I do, do shut you, it. Do, do you digital cleanse? Yeah, I do. I you shut do. it down. So are, what are the hours that you'd like, I'm not going to do it? Five. Phone gone. Five? Phone gone. Like down all things. 5 p.m. Until the next day? Until the next morning. <laughs> that is really good. That's the goal. Oh, that's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I yes, usually that's like, get to my I goal. I wish upon a star. <laughs> I wish I could put my phone I'm down. Like, I, yeah. yeah, I'm like sneaking Instagram likes at like eight, you know. Like, okay, so really what's the real thing that you do, the real thing? I put my phone down at five. And then sometimes if I really have to be on my phone, I, you know, I have to, if I have to stay, okay. you know. I, I, if I have to be on a call at seven because of time differences or something, then I have to, you know, but I really try to put my phones down and, and all the kids, we try to go. You know what is surprising to me about you? You are so balanced and likable <laughs> for somebody who was raised so rich and in, um, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way, rich people, you know, I don't have nothing against it. I but you are so balanced and likable through, through this for somebody who was raised not just wealthy, but in the, in the limelight. And you know, you meet a lot of people who come from famous people, a lot of people who've grown yeah. up, and they are not nice people. Yeah, I grew up with some of them. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh my God. Um, because you don't get to find your own identity, and how were you able to do that in the midst of? I think my, it was like my, my parents almost, I mean, it was almost overkill how how fiercely they raised us to not be spoiled children. Like, to the point where it was like, maybe they went a little too far in this department, you know? But it was like, we, we knew that our privilege had nothing to do with us and everything to do with luck and their work ethic. And, and so I think in our, our minds, what we saw was work ethic. We didn't see rich or privilege. You didn't, uh, even though you were raised by it? No, I mean, I understood it as I got older, but I, but I, I saw how hard they worked. Like my mom and, I, and, and Kurt, they, they just, they work so hard uh, and, they, and they love it and they're passionate about it. And so I think, I think that's it. I, and, and they just had no patience for any kind of spoiled behavior. And everything with them was about connectivity. It was like how you look someone in the eye and, you know, on a daily basis, how we connect. Um, I just, you know, I mean, anytime we had anything of, of, of real privilege, it was like, you know, they made it very clear that we were a, a guest in that world. Yeah. You know, this isn't this yours. This is yours. No. You're in my you house. You sit down there and you say please and thank you. And so did you, you, it's interesting <clears throat> that you and your brother Oliver kept the name Hudson. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even though you were raised by Kurt, who was like a father to you. Did your father play a big role in your life, Bill Hudson? I mean, I'm proud of the name Hudson. I, I, because Bill, you know, he, he's a huge part of what I am. 
and, and, and some of my gifts that I, that I cherish, like music. Mm -hmm. You know, my father's, my real father's a musician and he's a wonderful musician and I connect to him through that even if I don't connect with him through any kind of real paternal relationship. Um, <clears throat> but I think it was important to keep that name, you know, and I, I, I also, I also feel like, you know, there was a moment in my life where I, I did want to reject anything that had to do with my father or, or the name, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll be Kate Russell, or maybe I'll just change it to Kate Gary, or, you know, but, but I don't know, it's a huge part of my identity, mm. that relationship. Yeah. Challenging, not in my life, you know. But again, those things are what make you who you are, and it, it sort of informs the work that you do, and uh, emotional work, and and the relationships that you have. <laughs> Absolutely. You end up, you know, everybody does this, whether you know it or not. I learned this years ago from a wonderful guy named Harville Hendricks, who was on the show. Oh, he's wrote a book called, yes, called Getting the Love You Want and the Imago Theory. And so here's the theory. And I, it's certainly true in my relationship with Stedman. I would not be with Stedman had I not read that book and done Harville Hendricks like a year before Stedman and I met. Oh, I mean. Because his theory is, is that you are attracted to your romantic partners based upon what you are trying to heal in your past. So basically, the relationships that you had or didn't have with your parents shows up and is going to be triggered by your current so partners. So triggered. And, it, it, and that is true. <laughs> So, you think, so you, many you, you, you think you're getting away from it, but you never are getting away from it. You're just drawing into your life that which needs to be healed. And when stuff goes wrong, it's really all about not what's happening right here, but what's happened before it that wasn't healed. Completely. And you know, when you're an intellectual person, you can think that you know it, but you almost have to feel that at a cellular level to make change. I think sometimes it's like you can tell yourself, oh, I recognize why I have this issue in a relationship. My father abandoned me. Um, but then you keep repeating the same patterns, the same mistakes. And you have to like actually feel the trauma and move through it, I think. And, I, and, and that book actually changed my life. For the, it, it made me get out of a relationship that, you know, and be in the, be, in the better version. Harville's book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did I not mean, know that. That is the best book. I think anybody, who, even if they're not in a relationship, needs to read that book because it... it, it I mean, everything that we do in, in, in our intimacy is played, is all So what about that book made you get out of a relationship? Because I realized I was chasing something that, that I was trying to change the ending of the same story. I, I, was, I was trying to change something that I could never change. I was trying to put a different ending on it instead of just, like, turning that channel off. But I, yeah, I... I, I Relationships has been at the center of my, you know, so because when we talk about wellness all the time, it really is that has always been at the center of mine. Um, f you know, food, discipline in food, discipline in activity. It's something I, 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 I feel in control of it. Yeah. It's relationships that has always been my soft. I read where you said in your relationships that understanding and softening your fight or flight instinct has mm -hmm. been your greatest journey in adulthood. What does that mean? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm a fighter. And if I'm not fighting, I'm flying. <laughs> 
which means like I, I, I I'm like a pit bull. Um, and and I and my and my my jaw clenches down, and it's like until I know that we're uh, c communicated, that we're on the same page, or that I've been validated, I will fight so much so that there was one particular relationship where he, someone looked at me and said, "Can you just put your sword away? Just put it away." And I realized I was like flinging a sword. Around. So why, <laughs> Kate? Here's yes. a, here's the question. Okay. Why are you such a pit bull? Because. I think that for me and my, and my life, this is like therapy, I'm in my therapy session, but uh, <laughs> I never felt heard. Really? So I think, and I think a lot of people feel that way. It's hard to be heard. Yeah. And, and when you're a little girl and all you want is your daddy to hear you and he doesn't, mm -hmm. you sort of are chasing that for a really long time until you realize like, oh, that wasn't, I, I it wasn't even about you. It wasn't, a, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't need to do that, you know. And so that, I think, triggered. I also think our fight or flight mechanism is, is real, and we're a survival animal. And so it's so easy for us to become reactive in that space, in, in, in that part of the brain. And we just immediately, it's, you know, right now it's like, we, it's all about slowing that, that part of the brain down, the reactivity and trying to, like, move through it differently. I think it's hard for us to do that. I heard you say that, and this is true for me too, I'm going to talk about this later, that forgiveness is a big part of your wellness journey. Where does that fit in? It's almost like my number one. Well, I think that, so <clears throat> forgiving is where I found the most liberation. And I think that when you have a situation of neglect or abandonment, to forgive is the greatest, it's the most liberating feeling and most loving. Um, to, to love my father it was, and to forgive him was, the, was my... To forgive him for not being there, to give him for the divorce. Just not having the capacity, yeah. you know, or, you know. That's the thing. I, it was, it's not, it's, I don't, it's not a fault. It just is, isn't it? So I, I sometimes I just, I had to learn to understand that he had his own journey and he, he, he didn't have it in him. He, you know, he, it's just, it's not in this lifetime. So the forgiveness has helped me heal. And in that, I can find real kind of peace. And, and that's where I, you know, that's my journey. I mean, I, I, there's all these great things we can do and all these wonderful, you know, I feel really lucky. Um, but at the end of the day, when I like feel like my my life journey comes to an end, I want to feel really at peace. Yeah. And so I just practice that. Like, think yeah. forgiveness is like the number one thing to feel that. Yeah. When you're disappointed and you don't get what you want. Hmm. Pitbull. Pitbull. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Really? No, no, okay. no, no. When I'm, you know, I, it's, I, my agent called me once and he goes, I, what is it? I'm more upset about things that you don't get than you don't get. I really am good at letting sh stuff go. Yeah. <laughs> Fiona, thank you. Um, you know, I mean, I think that there's things that, um, yeah, I just, you know, it's like... Uh, there was a role once, I'm trying to think of the movie, that somebody else was going to get, and then you got. Mm -hmm. What was that movie? Uh-oh. Okay, I don't know, but anyway, uh, it'll Someone come to me. That I got, uh, yeah. oh, Almost Famous. 
That was yes. Yeah. Oh, you yes. I uh, so uh, Sarah Polly was gonna with Brad Pitt was yes. in, was gonna be almost famous, and then they ended up not doing it, and then I was able to come and audition. So almost famous made you really famous. Almost, yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a really special moment in time. Yeah. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? About, like, nothing. Nothing. I had, I, honestly, I, I, people always ask me, that. that's a question I think that, like, like, if you go back and ask yourself, like, or say something, yeah. to, you're right. No way. I was, like, had the best time. <laughs> it was like, I had so much fun. And, yeah, I mean, I made mistakes. There were mistakes made. There was people that I wish I treated better. But I don't, I don't have any regret. I wouldn't tell her anything. I'd be like, have fun. <laughs> you're doing it, girl. And now you're the mother of three. How's raising a daughter different? Oh, it's so different. In the beginning, obviously, you're, you know, it's, you know, either breastfeeding. And, but once her personality started to kind of, energetically, it really is just so different. Uh, she's, she's so girly. I mean, it's like, even from the sounds to the way she talks, I mean, none of my boys talk like she, she has her own language. I mean, she's having conversations with herself. She doesn't, you know, and she's, she's like literally just doesn't stop talking. And, um, but I think that being older too and having a baby, um, I was 24 when I had Ryder and then now being 40 with Ronnie, uh, I think I soak it in differently. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just want to. And how are you balancing it all? We've done a lot of talk today about balance. So you got the 15 year old, he's 15, right? 16. 16 now. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now a young baby and then. And then Bing is then eight. Bing, eight. How do you manage all that? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of schedules. There's a lot of calendars. Um, and are I. Are you actually driving them yeah. around? I mean, honestly, I've got three dads, which is rare, and <laughs> it just turned out that way, you know? I, I, I can't, like, I, if, if you would have told me in high school that that's what my life, I would definitely have been like, no, you're crazy, but yeah, that's what happened, and... Um, How do you manage them <laughs> all during the holidays? Well... <laughs> Um, some of them, we all just have them together, um, and, but, uh, no, I have everybody on the same schedule. It's just, you know, scheduling. So, like, I have the kids, both of my boys I have for the first week of Christmas or the second week of Christmas, so I just made sure we're all on the same. And I think it's more about how do we raise kids together and... I think it's all ego. I think you just have to put the ego aside and really put the kids first. And, and it's hard. That's a really hard thing to do. Because I heard that you made a concentrated effort to never commiserate with your sons about their fathers. Never, ever. Even if I can't stand it, them. <laughs> <laughs> so even what does that mean? Even in the hardest moments, I'm like, you, you know, even when they have, like, you know, if there is a moment, it's like, don't come to me and talk about your father like that. I know, I think it's really important that kids stay respectful of their parents, even if you know that their parent could be making a better choice. Like, th I think your kids will grow up, they will know, 
They will discover it out. Yeah, they'll have their own relationship with their parents. So you've never said a disparaging thing about no. either of them to no. either of them. No. Yeah. I would never do that. That is really I, I good. I think your kids, I think they would resent that. I think, I know my mother never did that about my father. And if, and I mean, and, and she really could have, you know, it's like, and she just was, oh, <laughs> sorry, dad. I, do, I love you. Um, but, uh, but, you know, she really could have. Um, and, and, and never, never said a bad thing about my father. Yeah, she, and it really was wonderful because as I got, got older, I could... I understood why she did that. You were saying that your mother epitomizes, uh, what, does she epitomize for you what a good mother is? Hmm. <laughs> yes. With um, an extraordinary life. And I think that she, my mother did probably the best possible that you could ever do having the kind of extraordinary life that okay. she has. Okay, so here's had. a question I asked Tracy Ellis Ross last week. Did you grow up in her shadow or her light? Oh, light. Light, okay. Yeah, I want more of that all the time. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's the thing. I, I, I think that there's, yeah, I mean, truly in, in her light. And but was I, it complex? Very. Finding your oh, own very. light. Yeah, well, how do you yeah. find your own light when your mother's light is so bright? Well, she shares it. Um, you know, I think, I think you find your own pocket, you know, and, and I, I think that it does develop probably a different kind of personality. Like, you know, a good example of it is a fun example of this. It's not as complex or deep, but like going shopping with my mom is like, watching the joy tornado go through a shop like and nobody shops like my mom because she doesn't she she's like changing in the shop you know it's like everything she just wants in and out you know she's not enough hours in a day to do the things that she wants to do and she leaves everything I mean the glasses here and her fanny pack over here and the phones over here and I'm doing this the whole time. I'm like picking following her stuff her, up. Following around, I've yeah. got this. Hi, nice to see you. Hold on, I gotta get my mom's phone. Where's my phone, honey? It's right here, I got it. You know, it's like that's our <laughs> it's like I I grew up her gatekeeper. Yeah. You know, and that's what I felt like. And we actually had a, 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 a psychic once say to both of us, we were in the same room, she goes, you know, you were your mother's gatekeeper. And you sat outside of, it was like medieval times, I don't know, some, you know. And, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's me. I'm, I just sit outside her door making sure that everything's fine. <laughs> and... and um, I, I heard that you once said that you learned how to let her be the butterfly. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, I mean, I mean, you know, she, I think that, um, and she's a true butterfly. I mean, with the most extraordinary wings. Uh, there's, <laughs> and you believe your goal as Goldie Hawn's daughter actually helped informed your life as a businesswoman. How so? I think because I am a very, pr I think I, the roles that you create in a family dynamic like that, and I think everybody has it. There's always a personality that's the, you know, mine was definitely a bit of an overachiever. You know, I, I it was like, okay, I, you know, this is my mother and that's her, you know, she's of this incredible light being. And I'm, I mean, I'm a performer through and through. I always thought I'd be on a stage singing. Um, 
but you know, and, and acting and performing and all of that. But like I, I, in my mind, I was always like, okay, I'm gonna just make sure, I'm gonna make sure that it, things get, are practical. Um, and I think that's why my life ended up the way it's ended up. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, I don't know, the business seems to be really, I mean, I love it. Yeah. Is, What's the smartest advice anyone ever gave you about business? Well, I'm hoping you and I are gonna have a drink. <laughs> and you can give me some great advice. Because um, that's the only advice I want. Thank you. Um, you know, Listen, I get become much wiser on the second shot. <laughs> um, honestly, authenticity. Yeah. I think the best advice I, I have got from a, a lot of interesting um, businessmen and women is is being authentic and why purpose. And that's kind of and for me in business and and my career and everything. It's like purpose driven. Why are you doing it? Why? So mm -hmm. why did you go into, I know Fabletics, what happened with that? You just said, I am going to do Fabletics, a new mm -hmm. vodka line, happy times <laughs> nature. I'm just gonna do it all. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, because I think that, I think for me, you know, as we get a lot, I mean, a lot of actors. How hands-on are you? Very hands-on. Like almost to the point where I was walking with our friend Reese the other day and she's like, will you stop micromanaging everything? Like. You know, I'm very hands-on, and um, and I have to learn sometimes how to just kind of walk away. But don't I think you and Reese are redefining what it means to be businesswoman in this 21st century yeah. techno media social media world. I hope so, because once upon a time women weren't able to 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 and 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 men have always dabbled in business and performing arts. And women, it's like if you were doing business and performing arts, forget it, you'd never get hired as an actress again. And, and I think that, you know, it's so nice now to be able to do uh, multiple things. I, I also think, too, it's like it's still a challenge. And, um, and so it's, it's nice to have that kind of platform to, to hopefully, like, make change and have other people, you know, f follow. So I think Reese is doing such an amazing yeah, job. she is. Mm -hmm. on all levels. Mm -hmm. I, I love how you described meeting her when you were both 12, and you said she worked the room like a politician. Oh, I said, but nobody, nobody like Reese. Well, we were at a party, and, and, and there was every amazing musician. It was a ready small party, yeah. and Reese got up and was like, well, everybody's gonna sing. And, and we're like, Reese, you don't know. It's Neil Young, you know? It's like, let him. And, no, and you and know what it was? To, no, everybody let, was singing. Let, let, let's just go all the way. It's, uh, this was a party at Paul McCartney's so house. So great. It was like You're at Paul greatest. McCartney's house directing we were... people what to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's Reese. I go, Paul, you, can't you have to Paul sing McCartney. a song. No. You have to sing a song. Like, Reese, it's and Paul McCartney. And Paul was McCartney. like, I don't want to play a song. And she's like, Paul, she's like, get Paul, over no, here. you're going to do it. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> and then Oprah and I were sitting there, and we're like, look at her Ooh. go. <laughs> and Willie Nelson was sitting next to me. Oh. He was like smoking something, asking me, "Do you want something?" I was like, "Yeah, anyway, he was." That was a party. Close your ears, Fiona. <laughs> for you, Willie for you, Nelson. connection is your happy place, though, right? Absolutely. Connectivity to me is everything. My friends, my family, number one, my my children. Um, 
but, but I just think that like the human connection gives me so much joy. And I really do love it, you know? I, I, do, I do love it. I, I don't, I, I like being transparent. I mean, obviously I like to keep some things private, but I like being open. I like being able to really just meet people and look people in the eye and... What are you proudest of right now? My kids. Ah. My, especially the my real work. Yeah, I was asking if your mother 16. was a good mother. Are you a good mother? Yes. And what makes a good mother? I care, I, I, I love my, I, everything I do is for my kids. Mm. And, I, and I, uh, I see my son, he's 16, this is the age where you're like, oh, what's, you know, what's gonna happen? Are we, are we moving in the right direction? Yeah. And it's the age where you get to let your kids fly a little bit and you're like, all right, I gotta let go. I gotta let him figure it out. I gotta let him, you know, is he gonna come home drunk? Like, that's gonna be a hard, what about, what do I, you know? Have you had the drunk talk? Oh yeah, but my, my boy is awesome. And he's open and he's communicative. He talks about his feelings, which more than anything, he talks about what he needs from me. Wow. Like he'll say, you know, I really wanna spend some time with you today. And I'll be like, honey, let's do it. You know, at 16 to be able to, because you want them to go do their thing. Yeah, but you also want them to be able to ask for what they want, they want or need. And, yes. And, um, and he's kind and, uh, and he's fun and he's hilarious. And I just, I, you know, I'm really proud of him. Yeah. And, he's, and do you sit back and you say, I have done a good job. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I, sometimes, but I, I also want like... My mom always said, when someone goes, are you so proud of your daughter? And she's like, the pride word I have a hard time with because it's like, it's mine. Right. And it's there, she's not mine, yeah. she's her. Yeah. And I feel that way about my kids. It's like, he, I look at Ryder and I'm like, I'm just so happy that my son is someone that I just look, can learn from and look up to too. Yeah. You know, that that's who he's turning into. So, um, that's when Thanks. you know you've done a good job. That's where I feel like it, yeah. So we're setting our wellness intention, our vision for 2020. Do you Ooh. have one? Um, I have so many, but I know in the workbook, I'm sort of like trying to zero it down. Um, but my wellness intention for 2020 is consistency. Consistency in everything that I do. Okay. I'm like, is that the wrong answer? No, Oprah? I'm just waiting. There's, I mean, no, I'm trying to, I, I was waiting on you to tell me consistency in what? Okay. So like, I, okay. Like consistency in my exercise, you know, it's the la right now I'm finding it's the last thing that I do because I wake up, I have the kids and I have to go to work and then I have a call and a thing like consistency in, and, and also for me, my wellness is like making sure that I know how to shut it off. So meditation, doing the things for me. Do you me, meditate? Yes. Yeah. But again, it's like my five o'clock phone going down. Like I want to do it every day. Yeah. And I miss days. You but know? the days you, you do it, you're so much better, it's aren't the you? Best. Yeah. It's, I know. It's me the too. best. It's. I mean, you can't even. In the hardest time of my life, that was the most uncomfortable time of my life. That was my thing. It's like I did not miss a meditation. 
Uh, I did not miss a therapy session. <laughs> and it changed my, I mean, that was the most life-changing thing for me was, yeah. was daily meditation. It's crazy how, yeah. how, how powerful it is. It is, it is. So your 2020 vision, your word is consistency. consistency. Yeah, and you're gonna be consistent. For self-care. For self-care. Yeah. yeah. Like, make sure I do something for myself every day. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you came to San Francisco to be I with us today. I love you so much. Thank you. And we must, after the show... Have a cocktail? Have one of your cocktails. King Street cocktails? King cocktails? Street cocktails. Yes. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Thank you, Kate Hudson. Love you guys. Ho. You. Look. I'll see you backstage. Get the lime ready. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>